Greetings to you in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The glorious name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The one who has the eyes of a flaming fire. Hallelujah. The one whose voice is like thunders, like many water. He is the king of glory. I can see the glory in this place. Hallelujah. And his glory is enough for you. His presence is enough for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Be intentional. Be intentional. Be hungry for the word of God. Amen. If you are hungry, you will even lick the plate. Because that is satisfaction to your souls. Amen. Be hungry. If you are here with a hunger, our God is a good God. He always fed his disciples. Wherever he went, there was a feast. Amen. He will feed you today. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't get stuck. Stumbling blocks the devil will place to make us get stuck. But today, there's a prophetic word released over this church. Get up and run. Amen. Because the power of resurrection is in us. The power that raised Jesus from the dead will raise every dead situation. Hallelujah. Get up and run. Tell your neighbor, get up and run. You're going to hear today, you're going to hear something about running. Say, get up and run. We've been hearing, run the race. Hallelujah. Say, get up and run. Amen. There's a new assignment. Hallelujah. You saw the gifts here wrapped up. Can you appreciate Debbie for this wonderful deco? May God bless you, my dear. May his grace abound in your life. And may you do mighty wonders for his kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. So you saw the gifts here wrapped up like that. There are some gifts wrapped up for you. Amen. If you're willing and if you're obedient, you will get the best gift. Hallelujah. The best in the land. Hallelujah. And this is a place where you're going to correct your mistake. God is giving you space. Say, whatever pastor has spoken of this church, I am just saying it again, re-emphasizing. So this is the space. God is giving you space to correct your mistake. Hallelujah. Are you ready? Are you hungry? Hallelujah. Are you hungry? So God put in my heart to share with you from the lives of Elijah and Elisha. Hallelujah. There's so much, there's so much to learn from these precious prophets of God. Hallelujah. How many of you love Elijah and Elisha? I love them. I love them. Today I'm touching only one aspect and that is the term calling. Say calling. calling. Say calling. calling. That is the basic Amen. God has been fixing our roots. That's our start. Actually, when I opened this uh, word, this book of uh, uh, First Kings and Second Kings, the first word that came to me was from Second Kings. Then I started uh, typing the notes, and the Lord told, "This is not the time for that. First, you fix the root. So first you fix the basics. Say, God is going to fix the basics today. If the basics are not fixed, we cannot soar. Like uh, for focus pastor uh, ministered, the wise man, he dug. 
deep, dug deep and the foundations were deep, it's so solid on the rock. So that when the wind came, the floods came, the house stood firm. Hallelujah. How did that happen? Because the foundation was so deep, so strong. So if you want to soar, the foundation needs to be fixed, deep and firm. So you might be thinking, oh, I have heard about this, this topping umpteen number of times. But like how we heard for that house to house at prayer meeting at Rai Chance and Jenny Mama's house. And again, we heard that on this focus, that there are different levels of revelation from the same word. Amen. Every time the word of God is preached, there is freedom. Where do you see Elijah in the Bible? First, first appearance of Elijah in the Bible. Any idea? First, somebody's... First Kings chapter 17, yes. So there we can see Elijah, as per the command of God, he came to the king, Ahab. Sunday school kids, I'll be throwing questions at you, okay? Better respond. He came to king, Ahab. And what did he say? What did Elijah say to, uh, say to Ahab? Okay, what you're doing is not right. It will not rain, no dew, no rain for those years except by, at my word. He said, there shall not be dew, no rain those years except at his word. Hallelujah, at his word. He knew who he was. Elijah knew who, who he was. Then we can see Elijah running from there, fleeing from there to the brook of? Brook of? Kerith, brook of Kerith. And there we can see the marvelous provision God provided with Elijah. And there we can see the other incidents also. Then God commanded Elijah again to go and appear before King Ahab. And that resulted in the great and mighty Mount Carmel victory. He slew all the prophets of Baal. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And when Jezebel heard that her prophets were executed by Elijah, she was so angry. And she swore that she will kill Elijah likewise. Then we can see Elijah again running for his life. And then the Lord said to him, he had, he had an encounter with the Lord. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 15 down. The Lord said to him, the Lord said to Elijah, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazel, king over Aram, and Jehu, the king of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel Mahola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. So Elijah had an encounter with the Lord, and the Lord told him to anoint Hazel over king of Aram. Jehu, the king over Israel, and Elisha, the next prophet. So, I want to bring something so important to you. Say important. God asked, God commanded Elijah to go and anoint. God revealed the, his heart to Elijah to go and anoint. Did God reveal his heart to King Ahab? What about other prophets? What about other prominent people? 
No, God revealed his heart to Elijah. It is, why did God reveal his heart to Elijah concerning them? Why? Because it is only God knew why he made Elisha. Why, why he made Hazel and Jehu. So God revealed his heart to Elijah so that he can go and speak that word of anointing over them. God is the one who made us. Amen. He is the one who created us. He fashioned us according to our calling. Say, he fashioned me according to my calling. God fashioned me in such a way that I will be able to fulfill his calling. Everything that I have. Everything that I have, my nature, my physique, my family, my qualifications, my giftings, everything that I have is provided to fulfill the goal of, call of God over my life. Amen. So only God knew why he created me and he revealed it to me so that I will know who I am, so that I will know what I am called for. Hallelujah. And I don't have any doubt about it. Why he called me. The calling of God over my life, I don't have any doubt about it. Amen. God will not reveal who you are in the spiritual realm. God will not reveal what you are called to do to anyone and everyone. Let this set you free. Amen. God will not reveal who you are in the spiritual realm to anyone and everyone you see. But if you, are, if you are hearing the right voices, say right voices, you will know who you are. And you will know what you are called to do. And it will go well. But if you are hearing the wrong voices, say wrong voices. If you are listening to the wrong voices, you will only go round and around and around. And you will be in utter confusion. And that will, eventually that will drag you away from your calling. So be careful whom you're listening to. Amen. Basically, there are two contexts where you get involved with calling. First one, when you are counseled by someone, that means you are going to someone and you're asking, you're confused about what to do next. You're not sure what to do next. And you're, that means you're approaching someone. That person can suggest do this, do that. Also asking you to suggest, uh, asking you to do something else. Maybe that advice can seem to be so practical. Or you will feel a momentary relief out of your troubles. But be careful. When you receive an advice about your future, first you listen to that. Don't reject. First you listen to that. Then you ask few questions. This, the Lord has taught me this, and I'm just imparting what the Lord has taught me. You have to ask a few questions. First one, did you previously hear this from God? Have I heard this from God before? Second one, is that word connected with the prophecies previously made in my life? Prophecy, previously prophesied over my life. Third question, who suggested you that? Is it your pastor? Is it your mentor? Your spiritual father? Or is it anyone who has the spiritual authority over you? If not, always come and check with the man of God placed over your life. 
you may not like this, but this is the principle of God. This is the order of God. He will not go do anything outside of his principle and order. Fourth one, does this suggestion, does this suggestion have any kingdom relevance? Or is it just a, a career advice? Or does it have any spiritual significance? Consider these things well. Otherwise, people can advise you and deal, derail you away from your calling. The very purpose God has created for. So I think the first one is clear. When you go and ask someone about, uh, you receive a counsel. The second one, when you are asked to give some suggestions or some counsel. That is the second point. When someone approaches you, to help him or to take a decision, ask these questions. First one, who am I to him or to her? Second one, did God reveal his heart to me concerning that person? It's very important. Did God reveal his heart to me concerning that person? Third one, do I know his or her calling? Do I know why God created that person? And the fourth one, do I have any spiritual authority or that person to counsel him or her? Many times we have taken it lightly. Still, if you feel that you need to give a counsel to that person, give that suggestion, give that word, and then advise that person to go and talk to the spiritual authority and get prayed over. Hallelujah. Amen. If you do not do that, you are breaching the order of God. And it is not a small offense to overstep the authority of God and bypass the order established by God. Hallelujah. How many of you agree with me with this? Yes. God is warning us with regard to how we counsel others. We feel so good when we counsel. That gives a, a self-appreciation, uh, a self-satisfaction, a self-approval. The Bible says, if anyone, any man speaks, let him speak as the, as the oracle of God. If you don't know what's in the heart of God, if you don't know what's in, deep inside the heart of God, it is better you keep quiet. Don't give any suggestion. Be careful how you give counsel to a child of God. Amen. If you give him a wrong counsel, even with all the right intentions, you can be manipulate his or her calling. Yes, there, in multitude of words, there is transgression. And you are tampering what the Lord God Almighty made that person for. You are tampering what the Lord God made that person for. You will be causing that person to stumble. So do not overstep your authority in the kingdom. Counseling someone is the utmost importance to God. It is so utmost importance to God because it is a very serious matter to God. Hallelujah. We are treading upon the God-given destiny of a child of God. That's what we are doing. Teachers, be very careful. Children who come to counsel, you receive a word. If you, you, you can actually tell, you wait, let me hear from God and I'll get back to you. Because you are trading on the God-given destiny of the child of God. Parents, 
if you have received a word for your child or your children, if God has revealed his heart to you regarding your children, be careful. I advise you to remind them always. Say always. Always. Amen. About their calling. That is more important than feeding them three times. That is more important than sending them for a higher education. Amen. Do not permit them to do anything else. But intervene in every phase of their life as long as you have access to Amen. They might be irritated. They might be troubled. But as godly parents, it is our responsibility to go after them and remind them about their calling. Hallelujah. I remind them. I know why God, what's the calling of my son and my daughters. I remind them. Otherwise, you will not grow. They will not grow. Our God is so good. Our God is so good. Even when I was preparing the notes, I could see the love of the Father heart, the love of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So in his love, he is teaching us. Our God is so good and he wants us to be like him. Amen. God never gives wrong counsel. He will never do anything to divert anyone from their calling. No, he always waits for his people to treasure their calling and to fulfill their calling. Amen. Because your calling came first. What came first? Your calling came first. God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in your, in your mother's womb, I called you. Your calling came first. Before you were knitted in your mother's womb, your mother, she did not know why God created you for, but God knew. Amen. So everything right from your birth, your parents, your locality, your church, your background, your education, your higher education, your marriage, your job, everything, your giftings, hallelujah, everything God designed for your calling. Amen. So let me start with this. If you're not functioning in your calling, you have not yet started living the God-given life. You might be 5 years old, 10 years old, 20 years old, 50 years old, 80 years old, 100 years old. It doesn't matter. If you have not, if you are not operating in the calling of God, if you are not functioning in the calling of God, you have not yet started living in the God-given life. It might be, you might be doing other thousand spectacular things, but you are just living an ordinary life. If you're not sure about your calling, you can end up making the wrong decisions or wrong choices in life. Hallelujah. And one more thing I want to say. If you're not fulfilling the call of God over your life, your life will be without progress. You might think, think that, okay, all is going okay now, all is going well now, but sooner or later you will realize that you do not make any progress. You will come to the same starting point. It will be like a circle. It will not go flat. Yeah? So your calling is important. Everything will remain same until you function in your calling. Okay, let me ask a question. I don't want you to raise your hands or vocal about it, but I want you to just think about this very carefully because God is speaking. He wants to take you to the 
next level. But you have to fix the basics. If you are, if you are not fixing the basics, you cannot go to the higher realm. So how many of you are convinced that you know your calling? Are you assured that you are fulfilling your calling? I'll tell you something. When you know what you're called for, you unlock something so precious, so magnificent and powerful in your, love, in your life. And when you start pursuing your calling, you start living in a world that is unknown to you. A limitless world, a powerful realm that is called the supernatural realm. Until and unless you step into your calling, you cannot experience the supernatural realm because your basic step to that supernatural realm is the, your calling. We can see that in the account of Elijah and Elisha. God asked Elijah to anoint the kings and Elisha as the next, next prophet in his place. So let's read 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 19. Are you excited? Yes. Amen. God has something, something so beautiful for you. So Elijah departed from there and found Elisha. Say he found Elisha. Elijah found Elisha. Can you say that one, one more time? Elijah found Elisha. Elisha did not run after the calling. The calling came to him. Hallelujah. The calling found Elijah. Elisha. Elijah came to Elisha. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The calling found him. Say the calling found him. The calling found him. And uh, we'll read. So Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle. He cast his mantle upon him. And Elijah did not wait for Elisha's response. He just walked. Hallelujah. It's so amazing, right? Elijah did not wait for Elisha's response. He just threw the man in and he just walked. Hallelujah. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. And Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Say ran after Elijah. Say ran after Elijah. Elisha had to catch up with Elijah. He had to run. Elisha had to run to catch up with Elijah. So the calling of God came to Elisha. It found Elisha when it came to him. When the calling of God, when the mantle threw by Elijah fell upon Elisha, he felt a pull. Hallelujah. He felt a pull, a Holy Spirit pull, a Holy Ghost pull that he could not resist that. Amen. He could not settle there. That made him move in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That quickened his spirit because the calling found him. The call of God will come to you. It is God's, it's God's responsibility. The call will come and find you. You don't need to struggle for that. 
If God has planned for your life, if God has brought you forth, the calling will come to you. But it is, it is up to you how you're going to respond. It is up to say, it is up to me how I'm going to respond. It is up to you. Listen, you may have missed it. You may have missed, but the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is telling you, it will come to you over and over and over and over and over and over again and again. Because the call of God is irrevocable. That is the power of God's calling over your life. Amen. When the call of God came to Elisha, he did not resist. But he, he did not bother about anything else. But he responded right. And gave himself to the great call of God. Amen. And he ran to Elijah. So when he came to Elijah, verse 20, when he came to Elijah, he said, Elisha said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And Elijah said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? Elijah said, yes, you can go, but think what I have done to you. Hallelujah. You go back, no problem, but think what I have done to you. The Amplified Version says, and Elijah, testing Elisha, said, go on back. What have I done to you? Settle it for yourself. Settle it for yourself. Settle it for yourself. I have done to you. Now it's up to you. Settle it for yourself. Amen. Yes, figure it out by yourself. So he returned from following Elijah and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people and ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. So Elisha went back to his oxen and slaughtered them. Till then, the oxen were his livelihood, his profession. His business. Amen. When he understood what had fallen on him was so much precious than oxen, he despised the earthly livelihood. He despised his profession and he did something else. He embraced the call of God. Is it over? You ask me that question. Is it over? Ask me that question. Is it over? It's not over it. It's not over it. So the next... So we read, he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast the meat. He used the wood from the plow to make a fire to roast the flesh. Some people, when God calls them to full-time ministry, they're willing to serve God and they're even willing to kill the oxen. Oh, I sacrificed that for, that for the Lord, for my ministry. But they'll make sure that they will safeguard something. Keep aside something as a backup. Maybe a plow. Maybe a plow which has helped you in the past. You have reserved it so that what if the call of God fails? What if? So they can still get going somehow. But what, see what Elisha did. He completely rejected his whole life. Amen. Not the oxen, but also the plow. He made up his mind that he is not going to return back to his old nature. Amen. Hallelujah. Say, ask me, is it over? 
Ask me, is it over? If you don't ask, I will not share. Say, is it over? No, it's not over it. Hallelujah. Elisha is so good. So he returned and followed him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Hallelujah. So he took the wood from the plough and he burned the meat and gave it to the people. Do you know why Elisha did this? I see a public declaration here by Elisha. Born again and baptized on the same day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Born again and baptized on the same day. Hallelujah. He left his past. He left his profession, his belongings, and publicly declared that from now on, I belong to the Lord. Yes, born again, baptized, and gone into the ministry. Followed Elijah for training. Hallelujah. So nothing was a secret. He had the boldness to leave everything. And he had the extra boldness to declare that he is not coming back. I am the Lord's. I am the anointed of the Lord's. I am going to serve God. So I don't, I'm not leaving anything back. Consecrated or himself onto the Lord. Hallelujah. Oxen is not my calling. My plow is not my calling. My calling is different. Say, if you are so convinced, say, my calling is different. Amen. He let, left everything for his calling. When the mantle touched him, he, put, he could feel something so tangible. Amen. He could feel something so coming upon him. That made him leave everything and follow Elijah. How many of you had this experience before? A mantle falling over you. Something so real, so tangible, you receive that pull from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. In the old covenant, it was called as mantle or pouring the anointing oil. In the new covenant, it is called impartation. In both covenants, the same spirit of God will rest upon that individual. Mantle is equal to Holy Spirit. Amen. When the prophetic mantle of Elijah fell upon Elisha, he couldn't resist, but he could only respond to the call of God, to that mantle. Amen. The calling of God over his life was so evident because something transpired within him. The mantle was so powerful, he could not ignore but to run after Elijah. Amen. For getting trained. It's written. He ran after Elijah and served him, ministered unto him. So now, Elisha felt the awakening. We also have experienced that awakening, awakening when we received the Holy Spirit. What happened after that? Did you run? Or did you remain in the farm with the oxen? How was it for the disciples of Jesus? Let's read from Matthew chapter 4, verses 19 to 20. How was it for the disciples? When they came, when they came to Jesus, what happened? They, Jesus said, follow me. And did they take their own time to think upon? Immediately, say immediately. They left. They sacrificed their oxen. They burned their plow. They left their nets and followed Jesus. The, yeah, the boats and their nets. They left everything and followed Jesus. 
Jesus called his disciples, follow me, and they left everything at once. Whether it is in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, call of God is the call of God. Say the call of God is the call of God. Because our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. It is the same. It's about how we respond to the call of God. Hallelujah. So Elisha, he got a chance to buy, to say bye to his parents. Bye, Appa. Bye, Amma. But the disciples of Jesus, they did not go back to kiss their parents, to kiss, to kiss their father and mother. In fact, we can see, you know, in another uh, portion, Luke chapter 9, verses 61 and 62. Luke 9, 61, 62. This portion deals with different people who expressed their desire to follow Jesus. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. Let me go and say bye to my parents, my daddy and mama. And but Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow, you heard that again, plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Elisha burned the plow. Here Jesus is asking to put your hand on his plow and do not turn back. Oh, a new plow. Hallelujah, a new plow. The, the heaven's plow, that plow, the plow that, was, that was with Elisha, that was heavy and burdened for him. This is light and easy because it is a plow from Jesus. Hallelujah, it is from Jesus. It is going to make you lighter. It is going to be, 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 be make you radiant like Jesus. Hallelujah, it will make you like float in the spirit like a feather. Effective. Hallelujah. So, Elisha followed Elijah. How far you have you progressed from your starting line? After leaving the oxen and the plow, did you follow Elijah? Did you follow Elisha? Elijah, did you follow Jesus? When you became born again, the mantle of the anointing has fallen over you. The power of the mantle will quicken you to some extent. When you receive that mantle, you feel that, that jerk from the Holy Spirit, that full from the Holy Spirit. But after some time, if you are not taking that effect, if you are not maintaining that level, we can be drained out. That's why it's written, remember your first love. When the Holy Spirit came upon you, you loved your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. After some time, what happened? Became lukewarm. Why? Because the quickening of the Holy Spirit just drizzled down. Hallelujah. Today, God is giving you the choice to run after. We all are called, but it is up to us to run after Elijah. It is run after, to run after Jesus. Elisha ran after Elijah. The disciples followed Jesus. And one more thing. Elijah did not ask Elisha to go ahead and manifest the power of his mantle then and there. He did not ask Elisha, go. Now you have received the mantle, you go ahead and do the, manifest the uh, power of the mantle. Jesus did not ask his disciples to go and minister unto people. But he trained them. Say he discipled them. Say training. Your calling needs a training. And we all need training. 
Say, I need training. Last week, our pastor taught us about whose life? Yeah, Paul and Timothy. How did their journey start? How did their journey start? Paul and Timothy. Let's turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 5. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. So Timothy had a great testimony among the people. And Paul, verse 3, Paul wanted this man to go with him. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. And so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So Paul wanted Timothy to go, Timothy to go with him, and Timothy did not refuse the call. Did Timothy refuse the call? He acted. Amen. He ran after Paul. He joined Paul and submitted to him so Paul could train him. Yes? Verse 4. Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering. Who were delivering? Apostles and the elders. They were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. So the apostles and elders, they were delivering the decrees. Did you hear the name Timothy there? No. Did Timothy where was there among them to deliver the decrees? No. Where was Timothy? Say he was under training. Say there is a training. Say there is a training. So Timothy was with Paul, learning, observing in the course he was getting trained. Timothy was a great disciple. We heard for the past few weeks, we've been hearing. Timothy was a great disciple, a great son who listened to Paul, who learned constantly and trained by his spiritual father, Paul. And the next thing we read is that Paul had such trust in Timothy. That's what we read in epistles. He had such trust in Timothy that he sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage many churches in their faith. See the growth. See the growth of Timothy. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 5 to 7. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Here Paul is speaking about Timothy and his family heritage. For I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Louis and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on my hands. Hallelujah. Something happened when Paul laid his hands on Timothy. Something happened when Elijah threw his mantle on Elisha, over Elisha. Something happened. Whether it is in the New Testament or whether it is in the Old Testament, something happens when the anointed of God lays his hands on you or throws his mantle over you. Hallelujah. 
How many of you agree that? If you don't agree, you don't agree with me, you, agree, you disagree with the Lord, with the word. So do not despise the laying on the hands by your pastor. Do not belittle the prophetic utterance that is coming out from his mouth. And I, and I encourage you, you go and find opportunities to get prayed for. Amen? By your spiritual authority. Because we can see that throughout the Bible. Like how Elisha felt the warmth of Elijah's mantle. And like how Elisha couldn't resist the power of that mantle. Something is getting kindled in the spiritual realm. You may not be able to sense that in the physical realm. But something is always getting kindled in the spiritual realm when you submit. When you receive prophetic exchanges from your spiritual authority. If you are something problem with this, I'm telling you, that is a stumbling block. The devil has placed over you. Let that be broken today in the name of Jesus. I am a great beneficiary of this. I know who I was and I know who I am. I can see a, a progress in my life, in my spiritual life. And many of you can agree that, testify that. Every time I meet my spiritual father, Pastor Joyman, I know that something is kindled in my spirit. I sit at his feet expecting a fresh kindling of gift of the Lord. Even though the pastor of this church is my husband, I honor the anointing that is upon him. I make sure that he blesses me and imparts spiritual blessings upon me. I did not learn this overnight. I did not learn this truth in a very easy way. I confess before my people, I learned it in a hard way. I'm all the more responsible and careful with the anointing that is working in him. Because he is the anointed one of God. I cannot treat my relationship with him any way I feel like. I cannot mess up with the anointing that is flowing over him. Scripture screams at me, both from Old Testament and from New Testament, what are the after effects of dishonoring the anointing. And I have gone through the repercussions of not honoring him as a man of God. I have. My husband did not teach me, but God taught me. And that was so good. That was so good. And I'm so grateful for that correction from the Lord because it has done me so, so good. So Holy Spirit wants you to, you to submit. Amen. Like how Elisha served Elijah. Like how Timothy served Paul. Like how the disciples of Jesus followed Jesus. There is a period of training. Amen. Always honor the authority God has placed over you. The prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher. He, he can be your father, your friend, your son, your husband. But honor the anointing. The anointing of the Lord makes the difference. Hallelujah. The anointing of the Lord makes the difference. That is the distinction. Recently, not a couple of uh, years back, we gone for a conference. And there, um, it was so, I was so amazed to see that one side that, uh, that just shook me. 
that pastor of that church, he was just uh, speaking blessing over his people, his anointing. And I saw his father, the pastor's father, kneeling down on the floor to get the anointing, to get the blessing. So in this realm, we see as pastor, our father, our mother, our son, or uncle, or aunt. But in the spiritual realm, it is different. It is different. Everything that happens in our natural realm is just a replica of the spiritual realm. Amen? So with all God's love, and he's suggesting you, he's advising you, honor the anointing. Hallelujah. So Elisha returned from following he sacrificed the oxen and burned the plow and made a public declaration and followed Elijah. So the next incident we see Elijah and Elisha together is in 2 Kings chapter 2. And it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Say Gilgal. And Elijah, Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, mm-hmm-hmm. Say, mm-hmm-hmm. Say, mm-hmm-hmm. As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they both went to Bethel, a true follower. Look at his words. As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Not a normal conversation but spiritual words. Amen. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take over your master from you, from uh, over you today? See the construction from over you today. And he said, yes, I know. Be still. Yes, I know. Keep quiet. Shh. Don't distract me. I know that is going to happen today. Verse four, Elijah said to him, Elisha, my son, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But Elisha said, mm-hmm-hmm. Say, mm-hmm-hmm. As the Lord lives and the, as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. A true follower. He said the same thing. No addition, no deletion, no emotions. He said the same thing. As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. He put Elijah and God Almighty there. That shows his determination. Amen. And he really meant what he said. Verse 5. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be quiet. I'm excited. Be quiet. Shh. I know. Verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And Elisha said, Mm-hmm-hmm. Mm-hmm-hmm. I know what is coming. Mm-hmm-hmm. As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. See Elisha's consistency. He stood the ground. Amen. He followed Elijah with all his strength, with all his heart, and with his everything. He kept away every distraction. Even that way, also, sons of prophets, he kept away every distraction, determined to follow him. Wherever Elijah goes. And verse 7. 
Now, 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters. And I love what is written next. And they were divided here and there. Hallelujah. The power of the mantle, the power of the anointing. The waters were divided here and there so that two of them crossed over on, the on dry ground. So there happened a separation, a real distinction. Elijah and Elisha on one side and the sons of prophets on the other side of the river Jordan. Can you see that? Elijah and Elisha on one side. The other side, the sons of prophets. If you want to cross this side, what do you need, what do you need to have? Mm, you should have the mantle. Hallelujah. I'm coming there. You should have the mantle. The Jordan is there. Jordan will not part just like that. You can speak. You can jump. Like how Elijah said to the Baals. Baals, you cry. If possible, you just hurt yourself. Let some blood come. Maybe your gods may be sleeping. Wake them up. The same thing. Jordan will not part. Hallelujah. So there is a great distinction. There is a separation. Here we can see the sons of prophets. Who are sons of prophets? When, the, when that term is written, sons of prophets, it doesn't have to do anything with the lineage of the prophetic. But it's, it uh, tells it's a group of prophets. Or full of prophets. School of prophets. That's the right term. Members of a prophetic order or guild. We can see them at Bethel. We can see them at Jericho and 50 of them at the river Jordan. These men were also prophets. Like Elisha, these men were also prophets. But they could not come along with Elisha. Why? Because of the power of the call of God over Elisha. That was a different call. Amen. It's a different call. A kind of call. Amen. God asked Elijah... To anoint Elisha, not any other prophet. So Elisha could go with Elijah. There can be many people like you. Sharing same background, same qualifications, same skills, same giftings, same profession. Even sharing same spiritual office. But if you are called by God, you are different from them. The call of God, the mantle of God over you makes the difference. It makes the distinction. Hallelujah. Amen. And here we can see Elisha, he was not under any pressure. And, Eli, Eli, and in fact, Elijah was trying to push him away. Right? He was not, nobody pressurized Elisha to go after Elijah. Not even Elijah. But Elisha was determined. Say determined. He was consistent. Say consistent. He was so particular, say particular. He was so systematic, say systematic. He avoided all distractions, amen, because he knew the power of the mantle. He knew that the power of God's call over his life. The call of God is upon every believer. The actual difference is how we are going to pursue it. If you are passive about it, it will show in our actions. If you are active about it, that will also show in our actions. But if you are violent, be about it, the violent will take it by force. Hallelujah. Here we can see how Elijah, Elisha, violently he ran after Elijah. 
Say violent Elisha. Say violent Elisha. Amen. He proved by his behavior that it is mine. Elisha, because he was violent, Elisha, he proved by his behavior so many distractions, even distractions from his, from his spiritual father, but he took it mine. It is mine. I cattle and banner it. I cattle and banner it. It is mine. Hallelujah. My God has given me that. It is my portion. How dare you take that away from me? It is my portion. I cattle and banner it. Amen. And Elisha did not care where Elijah was going. He really, literally, he did not care where he was going. Bethel? Yes. If you're, Bethel, if you're going to Bethel, I am there with you. Jericho? Yes. I am there with you, Jericho. Jordan? Yes. I am there at Jordan. And Elijah, and Elisha, he was with Elijah wherever he went at the speed of Elijah. Oh, hallelujah. At the speed of Elijah. Do you know the speed of Elijah? Do you know the spirit of Elijah? Elijah is the one who outrun the chariots. At the same speed, Elisha ran after Elijah. That's the power of the mantle. Hallelujah. Amen. There is speed. Say the speed. Say the speed. Say there is a speed. In the spiritual realm, there is a speed. I want to stop it there. Not my message, that topic. So I think when Elisha was under the training of Elijah, the major thing that happened to Elisha was follow him. To follow him. He did not do any signs or miracles or wonders. He did not even utter a single prophecy. But what he did was one thing. He followed Elijah. Amen. When you wholeheartedly follow Elijah, you will become an Elisha. When you wholeheartedly follow Paul, you will become a Timothy. When you wholeheartedly follow Jesus, you will become a Peter, a John, or the other disciples who turned the world upside down. Amen. One last portion, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9. That now the moment is here. Verse 9. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask, say ask, ask, what shall I do for you before I am taken from you? Oh, finally, Elijah asked that question. Elisha was eagerly looking forward to that question. With all his heart, with all his mind, with everything, he was just concentrating on that question from Elijah. What do you want me to do for you? And Elisha he didn't have any other choice. He didn't have any other options. He said the right thing. Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Hallelujah. Double portion of your spirit be upon me. The same spirit that is upon you. I want a double portion of that spirit. Hallelujah. Elisha followed Elijah not for fame, not for money. Not for opportunity, not for network connection, not for anything else. But he wanted a double portion of the spirit who was in him. Hallelujah. Amen. We heard from the Holy Spirit that Elisha followed Elijah. Timothy Paulo followed Paul. And the disciples of Jesus followed Jesus. And they did not have Elijah Paul and Jesus, they do not have anything else 
to offer them. They do not follow their spiritual leader for money, for fame, for opportunity, or for network, for exposure, or for a big break. They followed Jesus, they followed them because they sensed and eventually understood the weight of the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon them. Elisha saw that in Elijah. Timothy saw that in Paul. The disciples saw that in Jesus. The weight of the anointing that was at work with them. And they were glued to that anointing. They didn't want to get separated from that anointing. They were attracted by the Holy Spirit who was working on them. They could not make a better ask. Elisha, Timothy, the disciples of Jesus, they could not make a better ask for they discerned it. Say discerned it. And appraised it. Say appraised it in the spirit and realized it. Say realized it. It is the best for them. That is the best break for them. Amen. Even when you follow Jesus, do not follow Jesus for a livelihood. For recognition. For attaining something in this world. Rather follow him for who he is. Amen. Follow Jesus for who he is. I'm here to remind you that all of us have a call of God on our lives. The call of God on our life are as great, as magnificent, as mighty, as glorious, as excellent. What are we doing with our calling? Leave everything. Say goodbye to everything else. The oxen, the plow, the, the meat. Avoid all distractions and treasure your calling. Pursue it. Get trained. Be discipled, follow Jesus, and walk in the speed of the Spirit. Amen? That is very important. God is teaching me that these days. Walk in the speed of the Spirit. Amen? When you follow Jesus, when you're getting trained under a man of God, always keep your eyes on the anointing that is flowing from him. Not anything else. Amen? And in no time, you will see that you flourish in your calling. So today, God was just setting the basics. Amen? Next time, we will see the power of the anointing. Your basic is your calling. Amen? Know what you're called for. Calling will come to you. You don't need to search for it. But when the calling comes, respond to it. At the right time, in the right way, and follow hard after the anointing. Amen? God bless you all with this word.